As I said, this is our last installment of Songs of Summer. We've talked about many different genres. We've looked at different songs. We've talked about these wonderful songs of God that have come to us through the Psalms, these lasting, eternal songs that we sing in so many places in our worship and in our everyday lives, and Psalms that have become hymns hymns that we love and love to sing in many different ways. And this morning, I just want to start with just a little quiz with you. In Christianity Today magazine, they collected and put forward an article called Hymns That Last. They looked at over 5,000 hymns from 27 hymnals throughout Christendom, and fortunately, they could feed all this into a computer, and they came up with what was common in all of the hymnals that they had worked with, all of those 5,000 hymns. I want to ask you this morning to guess a few titles to see if those are in this list. So, There were 13 that they came up with, 13 hymns that are in all hymnals throughout Christendom. So let's see. Raise your hand. Let me see if you can guess one of them. Go ahead. Amazing Grace was not in all the hymnals. Sorry. Go ahead. Beautiful Savior was not in all of the hymnals. Keep trying. These are very familiar. I know you'll know them. Go ahead. Rock of Ages was not there. I know. Isn't this amazing? When you see the list, you'll say, oh, of course. All right, put the list on the screen. There you go. Abide with me, of course. Holy, holy, holy. Crown him with many crowns. When I survey the wondrous cross, love divine, I'll love excelling. That same melody that we sang just a few moments ago. So you can see those are common throughout all of Christendom. We've sung all those hymns. All of them are in our hymnal. Wonderful songs, songs that are drawn from Scripture, songs that we love to hear, songs that a lot of times we hum during the day are in our minds or in times of trouble, songs that come back to us. But more than just a couple of hundred years, as we have looked at the Psalms, we realize that they go on for eons, not just backward when they were originally written, but forward into eternity, the Psalms of the redeemed that we see in the picture of Revelation. Today, we want to look at that final Psalm in our series, Psalm 50, a Psalm of honor we're talking about. Now, you heard it read, as Kathy read that, that it opens with this beautiful word picture of who our God is, the mighty judge, talking about a fire that consumes before him and how a tempest rages around him. Pictures that we've seen before as we've talked about the Psalms and how they describe our God. And then it begins as that righteous judge who comes to judge not the earth in this, but his people And he begins to lay out the charges, and he says this, Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. You see, God's not saying in the manner in which you do these things, there's any problem. You're observing the statutes. You're following it to the letter of the law. But he wants to talk to them about what they offer. And he says this, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. 
for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the bloods of goats? I want to ask you, in your gift-giving, in times when you give things to other people, do you ever run up against that person that kind of frustrates that gift-giving when you want to give them something? People who it's just impossible to figure out what to give them because they already have everything. Oh, maybe you think about electronics, but they have every electronic that ever was made and is just coming out. Maybe you'd like to give them a picture, but they collect art, so they already have all that they need. Maybe a kitchen gadget, but guess what? They don't cook, or maybe a piece of clothing, but they have three closets full of clothing already. It's where we get that phrase, what do you give somebody who has everything? You see, that's what our God is saying to Israel, to us. What we offer in terms of stuff God has no need for it. That wasn't the point, was to offer stuff to God. Everything already belongs to Him. So I guess I'd ask the question, if God doesn't need it, then why do we offer it? You see, Israel thought in what they were doing that they were truly honoring God, honoring God's command to offer sacrifices. And I want to pause there for a moment, and I want to shift over to the gospel. We'll come back to that thought to see the picture of what Jesus is saying this morning. There's a word that was used in the gospel, and it's used six times in that short passage. The word is tradition. Jesus is talking about the tradition of the Pharisees. And see, here's the problem. That was the offering, really, that the the Pharisees made to God, was following their traditions. And what they believed was this. If we have a good tradition, then that we follow it, that makes us good. By following it, we, the good people who follow the good tradition, honor God, offer something to God. So often, doing things that seem right, things that seem good, can make us think that truly we are offering something to God. And that word honor gets equated with us doing something for God. You see, Jesus is upset with the Pharisees because they so honored their traditions and thinking that that was what honored God, that they got lost in the stuff. That's why he quotes that passage from Isaiah that says, in vain these people honor me. They worship me in ways that are just human traditions, not in ways that I want. And sometimes that's true of us, that we can get lost in the doing, we can get lost in the stuff of offerings and services and worships and the doing of things versus what was most important. You see, Jesus would put it just very simply. It's a heart thing. It's not a doing thing. It's where our heart is in our service to God. And that was the problem with Israel. Above everything else, God wanted a relationship with his people and still does, not stuff. 
and doing. That's why he says in those last verses of the psalm, sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. You see, what was most important to God, what is still most important to God, is relationship. And relationship comes only one way, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I want you to see a quote of Luther as he talks about what it means to honor God. He says this, What does it mean? The Father is honored in the Son. Nothing but that the Father be recognized and understood as a gracious, merciful Father, who is not angry with us and does not want to condemn us, but forgives sins and grants us all His grace for the sake of His Son, Jesus. This is the honor that really honors God, for from it comes a real confidence in our heart so that we take refuge in Him and know that we can call on Him with assurance in all troubles. It also thanks Him for His grace and goodness and confesses and proclaims His name and word before everybody. These are the acts of worship that really please and praise Him, but they can only be done in His Son. It also thanks Him for His grace and goodness. You see, in this relationship that comes to us through the waters of our baptism, the relationship that we have with His own Son, Jesus Christ, we are to be people who offer this sacrifice of thanksgiving to honor God at all times. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will in our relationship with Jesus that is given to us in our baptism is that we would be people who honor God and give thanks to Him in all situations. Give thanks always. That sacrifice of thanksgiving, no matter what we're going through, this honors God. Thanksgiving is a basic attitude that's infused in our life at all times and through all situations. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. Not because we bring something, but because of what he's done for us. You know, wouldn't it be nice if that was true in our lives, that we always felt thankful? But we don't, do we? We don't always feel thankful. Or maybe we equate thankfulness with something that's off in the future. We say, well, I'd be thankful if I could get that job I'd be thankful if my health would return. I'd be thankful if this relationship would heal. I'd be thankful if we could just get out of financial trouble. And we put it off there and we equate, when that thing happens, then we'll be thankful. But right now, we're not. You see, so often we misplace this, and we need to understand that our thanksgiving as people in Jesus Christ doesn't come from things that we have, and it doesn't depend upon the blessings of God. It's rooted in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. You know, Jesus showed us that example again and again, his thankfulness. In fact, in the words of institution that we hear whenever we have a communion service, 
Think about that for a moment. In the night Jesus was betrayed, the worst night of his life, of a friend betraying him, of being arrested, of false trials, of being handed over to the Romans and being put to death on a cross. In the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and what? Gave thanks. Jesus gave thanks in the worst situations in his life that was happening. You know, one of the names that is for communion, the Lord's Supper, the breaking of the bread, is that Greek word Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. You see, Jesus gives us this meal, has brought us this so that we could understand thanksgiving, which honors God through Jesus Christ, is woven into the very fabric of our lives as we live in Christ. Have you ever heard the phrase, there but for the grace of God go I? We use that phrase a lot in life. It means that we look at somebody else's situation. We can watch the news, we can see our prayer list, we can see other people suffering, and that's not happening to me. And we say, there but for the grace of God go I. We look at a situation that is worse than ours, and we're thankful it's not us. You know what? That's not true thanksgiving either. Seeing misery in others, being thankful that it's not us, that's not what the psalm is saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's not what Paul is saying. They're saying thankfulness of the heart that honors God begins and ends with whom we are thankful for, for Jesus Christ. That's what Luther's saying. We honor God through his son, Jesus Christ. It can only be done in him, the one that we're thankful for who gives us all things. To be thankful, to honor God in every situation we can say because these are things that don't change. They are not circumstances of life. They are things that are given to us in this relationship through Jesus Christ. We can say, I am thankful in all situations, no matter what happens, for the salvation that I have in Jesus Christ. I am thankful that I have the promise of resurrection. I am thankful that I have the assurance of the forgiveness of sins. And like Paul, we can say, I am thankful that there is nothing in all of creation, no circumstance of life that we will go through, that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, the one who grants us eternity, the one who is with us through all things. This truly is the sacrifice of thanksgiving that engages our being and engages our hearts in which we truly honor God. We honor him through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who has given us these things that can never be taken away. May we truly honor God in this way, knowing what Jesus has done in every circumstance of life, knowing that these are things that go with us now into eternity, that we may give glory to him and thanksgiving and praise in all of our lives. Amen.